Welcome to Southeast Asia's Growth Leaders with True, a podcast dedicated to the region's high growth and early stage scene, where we ask industry leaders and experts for their insights, advice, and experiences on how to build and scale sustainable businesses in the region. My name is Sam Randall, and I'm a partner at True Search. True is the world's leading executive search platform for technology and tech-enabled companies. Since our inception, we have partnered with tech startups throughout their growth from pre-seed to post-IPO. With over 300 search professionals in 14 offices across North America, Europe, Middle East, and Asia, we have a modern and innovative approach, working with the founder and investor community to advise and assist in successfully scaling their businesses. With a decade of Southeast Asia search experience in technology, I lead the high growth and early stage practice for True in the region. I help startups through high growth stages with advice on talent and hiring, as well as providing search for co-founders, leaders, and technical experts. This week, we are very excited to welcome Axel Winter to the show. Axel is the CTO of Thai Giant Central Group, where he is responsible for the growth and development of their global industry-leading e-commerce and omnichannel offerings as well as setting up their recent incubator control, which is the central group retail lab. Axel has extensive experience in Southeast Asia and Europe, having worked with Deloitte, Accenture, GE and Standard Chartered. Joining Central Tech as employee number one, Axel has grown Central Tech to a 250-person technology organization with people in Thailand, Vietnam, Budapest, Italy and Germany. Axel joins us for a fun and insightful session on his background in bringing internet to the region, his journey with Central Group, and the future of retail in the world of e-commerce. Hi, Axel. Thanks very much for coming on the show today. It's really, really great to have you here. Um, so, how, how have you been? How have you been coping through the last the last few months? How have uh, how have things been going in in Thailand for you? Yeah, thanks for thanks for first of all, thanks for having me. Good, good catching up with you again uh, over a coffee in, uh, <laughs> in two different countries. Um, I it actually was good. I mean, we as you know, e-commerce kind of uh, had a bit of an upswing, few hundred percentage points. Uh, so it um, it did keep me did keep me a bit busy uh, during the let's say the, the core period, and now. Uh, I think it's uh, um, it's back to normal busy uh, sure. type of uh, type of things. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a good experience. I, I think sometimes when we are when we are in the in the daily uh, in our daily business and, and and following up, and we kind of don't realize this is a bit of a of a small historic moment, right? I mean, you you deal with it, of course, and um, some people have obviously tremendous challenges uh, now, um, given economic situation and, and health uh, restrictions. I heard a friend of mine in Argentina said they have a lockdown until September. Um, no, exactly. Can you imagine? I mean, in, uh, not not the end. It's, it's fairly strict as well there, and um, so I, I was like, wow. How, how do you? How, how can you? How can you even manage? And here in Bangkok, um, we have never really enforced uh, a, a lockdown. So I went except for three or four days uh, yeah. to the office uh, every day, actually. Um, okay. We have about, let's say, in the, let's say in the court period, there was about 10, 15 people here with me uh, of, let's say, 300. And uh, now it's about uh, 50, 60% back. So, um, but, but see, if I, I came always, and so I, I was joking, I work from home on the weekends. So it's kind of a you, you it's it, it's kind of a uh, here and, and in Bangkok, uh, if you have a, a office uh, and a job, obviously you, you kind of uh, almost 
almost see the things more in television than uh, than anywhere else. Um, and, and without going too long on this, what they have, what some of the uh, hotels and restaurants and people have done is they put they put cupboards outside of their house or or restaurant, and then uh, they put food in. They just uh, Okay. Uh, they just put food in and then every, anyone can take it, no question asked, right? It's just oh. open and then other people even came to also help putting things in there. Uh, so people who are needy but uh, and, and maybe they just lost their, their livelihood, uh, they yeah. can just take it, right? So specifically, I say someone who is a small entrepreneur, maybe they have a small restaurant, uh, they work alone, maybe they have a, a soup kitchen of some sorts or yeah. uh, have, a, have a small ink printer shop or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, you know the things you see, and and uh, if they have no income, and maybe they bought something before, they're struggling now. Of course, specifically yeah. during uh, uh, shopping centers and and things were closed uh, when they were yeah. closed. Uh, so I I really I really and I also uh, donated a bit there, but I really thought it was uh, the strength of 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 uh, Thai society of of trying to be collegial in that sense and and, sure. and um, compassionate. Yeah, interesting. I've I've spent my lockdown in in Malaysia, and we had a we had a pretty strict lockdown. Um, so we were, uh, you know, we had roadblocks. We couldn't couldn't leave the house. Sort of, you know, really, you ne you needed to have a reason, and then you needed to be within ten kilometers of your house. And then it was only the head of the household was um uh, that was allowed out of the house. So my 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 wife occasionally let me pretend to be the head of the household <laughs> and come out. But um, I guess how has Thailand sort of dealt so well with um. With the numbers, because obviously, you know, I think it's a few weeks clear. I think there's been some cases recently, but sort of compared to a lot of the other sort of countries, the the, the actual numbers of cases there haven't been haven't been too too bad. Yeah, I thought. I mean, again, I I, I same as you. I only read it, also read the news, and I it's sometimes difficult to compare. And I always thought is that that every government, every state, uh, and everyone, every individual one learned. Uh, what not to do during this crisis, right? Okay, some countries, uh, let's not put a name now, take a bit longer, they're still learning. Uh, but but for most part, there was nobody was decent day one, right? And But what I did think is that the Thai government, amongst all the criticism, they came out fairly quickly saying, oops, uh, the same old does not work here, we need, to, we need to be a bit tough here, right? And then other thing which I thought was better here, and also uh, let's say if I if I talk to friends in Hong Kong or in Taiwan, then I thought is that the people were also uh, very disciplined in the sense of sure. following these orders. Right? I mean, I um, I went um, uh, uh, two weeks ago. I went uh, to a beach resort, um, and we we were driving through. Uh, really, we we went to into some more villages and some really special beach locations there. And you know, even people somewhere, somewhere in, in a farm or in a south mini shops in, in the middle of nowhere, they had a mask, right? Okay. And um, I'm not saying everybody wears a mask, right? But yeah. but it, it, the news spread everywhere. There were also health volunteers. I read. I also had to educate myself across the whole country in all villages. There are uh, uh, volunteering health uh, volunteer uh, health volunteers, of course, volunteering health volunteers, and yeah. they they went from household to household to explain. COVID, how to protect themselves and uh, try to help uh, each of the households to deal with it. So that I would suspect that had something to do with it. Um, yeah. I think the mix of government being being um, um, smart and, and people sticking to it probably.
Yeah, 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 very interesting, very interesting. It's um, it's interesting how everybody's uh, reacted and then what the outcome of that reaction has been because it hasn't been, it hasn't been sort of a standard. You, you know, it, the one specific reaction to it hasn't always led to the same outcome for all for all countries. So, so interesting. Um, but um, yeah, so really keen to um explore really um. So look, your, your career and what you're doing with with Central Group, there's some really, uh, really exciting stuff going on there. Um, so I guess, I mean, perhaps can we start by telling me a little bit about yourself? I mean, you've got a fascinating background from, you know, a long, long career in consulting into banking, now into sort of retail tech. Um, I guess what thought first brought you to Asia? And can you just give us a, a run through your your sort of journey to where you are now? Yeah, <clears throat> I I came to Asia in 1992, um, and uh, uh, clearly, um, what, almost 30 years younger, um, and uh, definitely much more foolish, and had, uh, had a bunch of money with me, and I opened a company here um, with some others, and did internet consulting. Now, there was no browser at the time, mind you. Uh, so it was about email and internet email, connected email and so on, uh, and some of the first like bulletin board systems and connected, some connected smaller business models around it. And in effect, the funny part was um, we, we worked with some companies at CNN, uh, um, uh, Deutsche Bank, and uh, some of the banks, uh, McKen Erickson, Spa Advertisement, to, to help them to um, you know, use these technologies for uh, to modernize them in a sense, right? And, and okay. I think this was also a little bit of a cradle, keep uh, keep going with new things uh, type of attitude, because that was kind of bleeding uh, bleeding you in a sense. Um, and I think it, it was a fun time. And again, I was probably a bit too young. I made, made a fair share of mistakes as, a, as an entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs do today, obviously. Yeah. Um, and although there was no internet, mind you, there was no web browser to search for things. <laughs> so we we set up, uh, uh, we helped setting up internet in, in Thailand with others. Obviously, there were others uh, in, the, in the game, um, and in Laos, in Myanmar, in Indonesia, um, and then again at some point of that, uh, uh, a couple, a couple of years, um, I think as as is so often the shareholders, uh, which I was one. Couldn't, we couldn't really agree on the uh, uh, strategy. And, uh, and then Accenture asked me and I said, hey, we want you to come over, right? And uh, doing e-commerce um, uh, regionally and in a bigger scale. And then I thought it was exciting. I was always a bit adventure driven, sure. uh, as you can see. And, and then I went to, to uh, yeah, and then at some point this is kind of was clear that, that it's not gonna work. And the team went, uh, the team went, there was a corporate, corporate uh, shareholder as well. And that team became the IT department of that uh, of that company in the end, which which also not everyone had IT department at the time, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And and then really I went yeah, and I went to Accenture. I joined here. Um, also did e-commerce with companies like um, Compaq, HP uh, Compaq. Uh, first time direct selling uh, at Compaq uh, worldwide was in Singapore. I, I did that project. Um, uh, AS Watson Group. Um, um, uh, so Hutchinson Bamboa in, in a sense, Sony, um, also in Thailand, CM Cement, uh, K Bank. There were a couple of couple of gigs there. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and, and interesting. I think I think a lot of people aren't necessarily going to have a concept of a, a world without internet. Um, how how was 
How was selling in because it's obviously selling internet sort of services to to companies to help them modernize and exchange communication. Like what what were some of the challenges of selling that to people that have never used it before? Was was there like a conceptual um, sort of you know sort of bridge to gap um, before selling it, or was it a fairly straightforward thing? Was it, had there been enough enough talk about it? That's a good question, actually. I, I would have thought is, <clears throat> if, I, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, so the bigger companies, they kind of had heard about it, knew that they needed something. As I remember McCann, for example, they wanted to pitch a bit like a, a, a techie feeling for the Tourism Authority of Thailand at the time. Um, and so they said, well, that looks stupid if we don't have internet email uh, or, or, you know, multi-commerce. That kind of looks strange if we are not ready. And then they use this also with Nestle and Coca-Cola and of course then the TAT um, and, and others. So that was their Deutsche Bank um, of CNN also. They have, again, they were using something in the US, but there wasn't really in all of these organizations like a centralized IT, which would push these things out to the, yeah. um, to the edge. So they, they looked out for themselves uh, in, in the region. Uh, we even advised IBM coming to think of it when they started setting up the internet business they also didn't know how to set it up here that the tech part and so they were looking for some people to help so we did um, and uh, it was a small team I mean we were like 30 people uh, yeah. but just lucky that we we started early uh, fiddling with which was then also open source be in mind that a lot of these technologies come out of the open source world yeah. um, and um, so it, it wasn't uh, it was just probably emailing and calling, uh, there were uh, uh, discussion groups, they called Usenet yeah. at the time. Yeah. And you, you know, just you could reach out to people uh, like Cunningham Richies, I mean, these uh, I mean, big names uh, of people nowadays. I remember then when the first browser came up, I had a friend at Netscape, uh, just when they opened, um, and then uh, uh, they needed some help in, in Asia because there was no one, they, could, they didn't even know who to talk to, right? Yeah. And, so it was a bit more like that. We did try to sell it, and this probably was the downside of the business. We did try to sell it to uh, to some, let's say, quote unquote, normal companies sure. um, who, who weren't as close to the tech or didn't have a, a, a global network of thoughts. That was clearly more di difficult. They saw the benefit of an email uh, in principle, but if you have a company of a few hundred people, then at that time it wasn't. You think, well, but why? Yeah. Why are we care? Yeah. It's a bit like selling a telephone to the first person in the town. It's like, who, who are they going to call with it? You know. Yeah, um, exactly. so, <laughs> okay. And, and then I see you went back to Europe for, 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 for a while with Accenture. And then, and then what brought you, was it, you know, what brought you back to, to Asia? Was, did you always have the bug for Asia? What was, what happened there? Well, this was funny, right? Accenture, I, I, I don't know why. But suddenly I was working in Japan uh, with, with Sony and then I had this idea. Well, this is like, you know, when you sit, uh, when you sit, uh, um, I, would, I wanted to say, when you sit somewhere in front of a, a fireplace and you, you have a drink and wine and then you start thinking, hey, uh, everything is perfect. What else could we do, right? This type of, this type of attitude. And then it was like, well, hmm, yeah, why not go, go uh, see what's happening in Germany a bit, right? <laughs> and, um, and then I haven't, because I, I almost always worked only in, in, in Asia, right? And then, uh, so we went back and then uh, with Accenture, again, it was a very simple thing and it was good and, and uh, had a, and there was really a culture clash backwards, right? It was like, um, and then I thought, wow, what did you do? What did you do? We were saying, <laughs> what are you doing? But, but actually it was a good, good learning and I still have friends like the, the country manager of uh, Accenture, the German-speaking countries, uh, uh, is a good friend. 
and also some of the clients. I made, I mean, uh, really a couple of lifelong friendships, and even if it's uh, some of them, it's more virtual than other wise. Yeah. Uh, made some very strong friendships there, uh, and so from that perspective, it, it was interesting. And it, funny enough, is one experience also always opens the door also to a next job in a sense. Yeah. Um, the, then uh, I got a call from GE Capital, and I, I was always you know when I got into Accenture, at the time I really was like wow what a cool company right before I got yeah. and I read, you, read, you read about them in the media and this and that. And, and uh, then you get in and you, you, you see the good things and also some of your realities, which, which any company has, have, of course, right? Yeah. And then the GE was a bit the same. I was like Jack Welch and this whole thing. And I was like, wow, amazing, right? And, and, then, and then suddenly they call me and it could, frankly speaking, it could have been anywhere on the planet. It was the CTO for a, a Asia role yeah. and uh, for GE Capital Group. And, and then <clears throat> I was so excited about being in Jack Welch's company that, uh, you know, again, it, it, it just happened to be Bangkok then. Uh, it was yeah. a bit, it was a pure coincidence that uh, this world and uh, their regional headquarter was there. Um, and uh, I mean, now no more GE Capital, obviously, but, yeah. but then it was there. And, and so I went there and it, again, it, I, if, if I compare Accenture with GE Capital, it was probably speed times 10. Um, it's a it's a um, it's a fascinating organization of speed and focus of on execution. Okay. Um, it's uh, next to Accenture, probably one of the best companies in the planet on on execution. There. Oh, oh, okay, and and was was that the sort of the real start of really getting into financial services in 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 the Asia region, or had you done much before? Because um, I did a bit with Accenture on banking, but my I was a bit cross industry industry, which which is not bad, you know. If you yeah. if you uh, so in Accenture, I was probably in all industries, uh, utilities and uh, retail, which is uh, as, uh, as now, and um, also a little bit financial services, government uh, in Germany. I worked in Germany, the UK, I worked for government uh, government projects, and you know, so it was uh, every. Yeah, but but it's it's an interesting thing, and you know, GE is a. Uh, I remember when I had with the global global CTO became global CEO later Bernardo Nicoletti. I I I had my last interview here in Bangkok, and then I came in a suit, of course. Right? I thought, hey, bank, right? And then and then you know he said, take out the suit, take out the necktie, now. Oh, oh crap! What did I get myself into again? And and then and then of course necktie out, check it out. And then he said, you know, we're an industrial business. We walk around in jeans and t-shirts, right? And, <laughs> and, 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 oh, wow, oh, wow, good of me. Um, yeah. And and so so it was. Uh, it's, it's kind of it's not really a bank. It was more a consumer finance organization, which okay. in some countries owned banks in a sense. But it's an exciting company because what it did better was it uh, because of this GE execution drive. I mean, rel relentless, second to none focus on getting stuff done. Um, yeah. I think, and they still do this today. Just their strategy was a bit misguided. Um, they, I, they really pulled off to become the largest credit card issuer in the world, right? I mean, so, so you can you can like them or not like them. You can say they have not been a bank or they have been a bank. This is all useless. They had half a they had half a billion customers. So, wow. at the time, at the time, there was yeah. massive. Well, still today, still massive, but that at that time it was even more massive. 
Oh, fascinating. Um, and so, to talk through, obviously, you went through sort of Deloitte and Cisco for a while. Um, key to find out your um, your experiences with Stan Chart. You were there for for a long time, and that was the role, obviously, immediately before Central Group. So, talk to me a little bit about what you what you did there, and and, and the interesting things you saw, and and I guess ultimately, then what what took you from you know one of the the biggest banks in Asia to to central tech, which is a yeah. very, very, very interesting step. But, but yeah, I guess you can see that. Yeah, I, I wonder. Um, no, I, I think for for Sanchard, I again, I, I, I had a, a friend there, and over time, again, being traveling around in the region, you kind of uh, make a few good friendships. And the very uh, friend and mentor who I admire greatly is um, um, was there, chief architect, and. Uh, he asked me to to come over and then be his successor eventually, and um, and then you know I I thought it was just a good it was just uh, I mean I liked the guy I wanted to work with him anyway and then sure. um, you have to know that Sun Chart while it's a British bank the headquarter is really in Singapore effectively right yeah uh, for people who, who who are not aware and and then so it was uh, so close to Bangkok for me so it didn't really matter from a from a distance point of view. Um, and then I, I felt excited about some of the things they wanted to do. Now, Stanchana has about, and also had at the time, about 16-odd thousand people in technology, right? So meaning is they have their own capability, they can do things, they can pull off things, they have the budget for these things. So it's not that you go into, let's say, uh, maybe in an in a, in a inspirational bank, but maybe they, are, they have uh, 100 people in IT, and everything is done by someone else. So that's a different scenario, right? I mean, not that it is not that is one is better than the other, but clearly the Stanchard one was exciting in, in that sense. And again, uh, learning a bit from my from my friend there uh, was on uh, was also at very much added value. And then did that journey was exciting because uh, it was really again it was really in, in some areas in the greenfield saying hey there are things broken let's fix them let's make it right how how can we make it right yeah. and. Uh, we started with uh, um, reviewing the core banking uh, platform, uh, modernizing uh, that uh, as a, as a in-house developed product, uh, sure. and then the uh, APIs was the next. So creating the yeah. abstraction layer between between the backend and the frontend system, which yeah. is still in the bank, and then um, and then the, the the third part. There were others, but uh, in, in a, to, to focus on the essentials. Was really data, and I, the bank was at the time investing a little bit in data warehouse technology, and I really thought nah, that that just can't be that can't be it, uh, that can't be good, right? And you know, I I was uh, I wanted to have a really a real time bank, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I was fascinated about this. I'm saying, hey, you have 24/7. This is mine. so obvious. I mean, even in 20, 2010, that was obvious, right? And and then I thought, no, that, that can't this, this data warehouse thing can't be it. Um, it's kind of a box in a corner, and then you have a you have a, a dashboard. That, that, that cannot be good enough. It possibly can't. And then um, Hadoop two came out uh, uh, for the technologies, uh, open source framework focusing on big data. Google and Yahoo developed it. Uh, again, it was it's much it much more involved now. But at the time, um, it was actually probably the with the version two coming out, real enterprise class, and then I started dabbling with it a bit, and went to the CIO and said, "Hey, we, I want to, I want to do some more with this. I need some, I need some money." 
Yeah. And then said, okay, X again, okay, whatever, go, go for it. Just leave me, leave me alone, take some money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then <clears throat> I started doing uh, some PUCs and then I was really number one. And then other people got excited uh, yeah. about it. Of course, you can trust the technologists being excited about this <laughs> stuff. And, and then we really, but we built something extremely useful very fast and it impressed even the board. So uh, analyzing counterparty data and so on, yeah. so early wins. Um, uh, next best offer in a uh, in a close uh, vicinity of your credit card transaction, uh, buy it at Starbucks, uh, uh, say Marina Square, and then you, you know get um, uh, get a cake uh, next door at uh, Swiss Bake or something type of thing, right? And um, and then it, that was so people were so impressed by this that in 2012 2013 we then decided to go full time full throttle. Into um, uh, into big data in a sense, if you, if yeah. you get nickname of that group of technologies, um, and you, you know, I I don't I don't even know how and why it happened, but it, people were just uh, yeah, that's a cool thing, let's do it, right? And they even see oh, everybody was like do 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 do, and then and then again we, we really went after it, uh, built big teams, uh, deep uh, um, uh, kind of lessened the, the focus on the data warehouse. Focused yeah. on real time, connecting the API world, which I have uh, I had prior uh, architected and and managed to to create into the uh, into the data world as in Spark and Kafka and Spark. And suddenly, you know, we have this this centralized all over the world, uh, all business unit data lake and uh, capabilities which can be adopted um, yeah. for for different use cases. And you know, we, we could we run searches against the whole data lake. I mean, as a search engine attached to it, it was beautiful. And then you, I had people from other banks uh, coming, and, and they came to us and Excel, I want to work in your team because a Citibank actually. Yeah. Can yeah. I work into your team? I'm an architect here, but 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 I write funny papers and, and nothing happens, right? And can I? I really want to see the action. And you guys, you guys, the architecture and the delivery teams, we were close together and really got stuff done, right? Type of sure. Really sure. executed change. This is the one. This is okay. the one key key element. And you know, when I then looked at the other banks, they were talking about big data, but they had a departmental. They had they were very good in one corner of the world uh, or in one business unit, but not as holistic. And uh, this is a differentiator to start charging. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was the journey, and then uh, my my friend also passed away, uh, uh, kind of uh, midstream, and um, um, it's almost like a uh, if it's um, if it wouldn't be so sad, it's a bit like a Dilbert, and then of course I, I became a successor, um, and um, uh, which is what what I wanted to be, and and sure. everybody uh, there was there was not even a discussion about it, and yeah. and then after some time um, out of the blue. Uh, uh, a bit because I knew people in Central Group from from old Accenture days and so on who have moved here from GE days who have moved here, um, and then they said, "Well, you, well we we need to do more. We need to do something. This e-commerce sure. thing is happening, so we are nowhere. So can you can you help, right?" Yeah. yeah. And so this then this discussion started, and then I found out Central Group is big, obviously in Thailand, Vietnam, uh, Europe is the biggest luxury retailer in Europe, yeah. um, in five countries. And then they said, "Well, we the, the idea was which I got, uh, uh, which I liked also from from my DNA. We want to build some in-house capability to to be able to to understand a new world, a new digital world, 
Um, and, and if you think about it, I had the interview end of 16. Yeah. Uh, so Dave had that plan, let's say 16, end of 15, 16 all along. So this is, this is if, you, if you, again, backtrack a bit, this yeah. is a pretty good, uh, pretty good view to have, to say, yeah. you know, we want to have people who know this shit and can do it. This is, yeah. this is the, the vision. And I talked to the, the, the CEO at the time, and then, and then we, and, and I got excited about this, and obviously you know where this ended. Yeah. Um, I, I started this, I was the number one employee of that, uh, of that team, uh, incorporated a few people here who were already there uh, in, in corners, uh, and then of course started rapidly hiring. Um, sure. And now uh, as staff, direct staff, we are 250 people across Bangkok, Chiang Mai, Ho Chi Minh, and Budapest. Oh, okay, and so the, um, the 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 genesis of Central Tech. When they, those people came to you, did they have a clear idea of what it what Central Tech needed to be, or was it they were aware of a, a aware of a sort of a gap that needed to be filled, well, but they weren't quite sure? Always clear from from the beginning. I in effect even before I joined, we already worked on the strategy and the concept. I gave input. Yeah. I. I gave input into the, um, even into the business organization to make it ready. So the idea was always to create e-commerce, omni-channel, CRM, data science, digital tools in the space, sure. uh, obviously adjusted to retail. And then uh, that was always clear. Uh, organization was built by, built uh, for that within, uh, within the technology department. Um, and then also it was clear the business units, uh, the, especially the retail, in the retail side, they had to change and adjust uh, themselves to, to have the skills. And then we, we kind of went on the journey. So we started with strategy, and, um, but it's a very fast paced uh, journey, I can tell you. Uh, I mean, this is, this is kind of the sleep in the office type of, uh, type of story, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's why I kind of compared a little bit to a startup. Of course, it's a, it's a department in a corporate, right? But uh, we started with zero and we, we had a mandate to, within, within two, three months, roll out the first e-commerce platform, right? And, um, and we did, uh, you know, and, and so it was really, it was really, really always a sprint of, of uh, not three years, but uh, let's say I'm here now, three and a half, four, let's say the first two years were probably a constant sprint. Um, and, uh, you know, recruiting people massively and, and trying to find the, uh, developing technology, uh, giving it to the business units per day. We have about sure. 10 platforms, 10 business units um, uh, empowered um, and, and again, massive sales. Okay. And so when, when you first came, obviously, can you just sort of um, just, just sort of simply sort of tell us what Central Crew does? I know there are sort of luxury yeah. sort of lifestyle a retail operator. Um, I know they operate, um, you know, sort of department stores and, and malls. Um, does was this platform to be rolled out across both the sort of the department stores of what they do and the tenants of the the malls as well? How how sort of broad was the the platform plan plans yeah. for, for for this? Yeah. So the 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 so Center Group uh, is a is a mostly family-owned business, Shiratibad family, uh, 70 years old. And there are probably three big areas, my, don't mind the, the, uh, the smaller pieces, but the big areas are um, the hospitality, so the hotel, Centel, Centel Group, which is mostly Centara, Centara hotel brand yeah. uh, in Thailand, Asia, Middle East, uh, Japan just started uh, uh, coming up now. 
Then we have uh, CPN, which is Central Patana, um, and that is property. So, so if you go to a shopping center, I think Indonesia is um, um, uh, Grand Indonesia is, uh, is part of it. Uh, Malaysia, Inshallah, yeah. Shalam is uh, uh, there is one, and uh, uh, Vietnam, of course, Thailand, and, and there will be more. Mostly malls, but also office towers and condominiums and so on. So it's a bit uh, a diverse. Uh, environment, but really property property focused. Sure. And then uh, these two are both uh, uh, public companies. And then the third one is the retail area um, with uh, assets in um, so Thailand, of course, where we have brands like Central Department Store, Robinson, Supersports, Powerbuy, Office Mate, Top Supermarkets, and so on. Yeah. And um, then, but there is also they have also early invested in Europe. So we have a KDB group in Germany, which is in, in three to become five locations. Uh, Illum in Copenha Copenhagen, um, Irina Schente in, uh, in Italy, uh, so it's a, which is a very big department store, leading department store. And sure. then Globo just acquired Globus uh, or Globus group in Switzerland. Um, and we have then Vietnam, with Big C Vietnam, and, uh, which is now renamed to Go. And uh, we have Nian Kim and a few other formats in uh, uh, in Vietnam. And okay. this is, I mean, this is uh, this is kind of the, the retail landscape. Again, uh, the, the group was very focused uh, on building out. It's a very focused in these three areas. Yeah. Within retail, we have IPO in February, uh, Central Retail Corporation. There is all, there are also some investments, uh, and I think the the, the founder, uh, well, the founding family, they were they're very strategic about it and. And very focused. So we have a joint venture with JD.com uh, yep, in yep. Thailand. Actually, two of them. One is for a marketplace, JD.co.th, and also a fintech, uh, uh, a fintech startup, which is uh, both payment and uh, consumer and supplier finance. Uh, so also very strong. Um, and again, JD has delivered a tech platform, and uh, I kind of we bring the, the business aspects mm. to it. Yeah. And, uh, then uh, Grab, 30% of Grab Thailand has been acquired. Uh, and also, again, it links back. So this is what probably banks don't do well. Uh, I have to say, or many industries don't do well, many companies don't do well. Um, the idea is to fund the core business model. How can, yeah. we, how can we make a better business? So when we talk about Grab, this is about uh, rapid delivery, express delivery. You, you order some, uh, some, some uh, beer and chips, at a, at a supermarket, it's going to be there in 45 minutes, right, in Bangkok. Yeah, yeah, so this yeah. is kind of the idea. And um, I mean, it's a miracle. It's a miracle getting anywhere in Bangkok in 45 minutes. If you can imagine, it's a driver who's going on. But but I think yeah. there is some there is some vision there of saying, well, if if we and JD, you think about it, it's a bit like a frenemy because they are retailer, they're, they're an online retailer in in China. And I I, I had recently. Uh, uh, um, a small uh, kind of a fireside chat with a, a friend from Germany who runs a banking club, and then he said, "So, so why did you do this?" I said, "Well, look at the banks. Why would the banks not do it? Why would why would you not have? Can you give me one one name of a bank where they have really partnered with a frenemy? Yeah. Said, take the risk and said, okay, this is this is, and before you've done it, and we were one of we are the first, as far as I know, who have done that." To, to partner with a new world, new tech company, new world type of digital player. And, you, you know, it's easy to say afterwards, well, obvious move. No, but, but it wasn't at the time, 
right? Yeah. Yeah. And and then you show you show me how many how many others uh, are doing that? How many are so focused uh, to charge ahead? And I thought I really admired uh, uh, the chairman Kuntov for for being for being that visionary, frankly speaking. So one of the things I find really interesting is that clearly you have a, an incredibly large organization over which you're applying this 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 e-commerce layer. Um, where how do you start with something like that? You know, because you've got the, the the you know you've got the sort of partnership with JD, you've got the partnership with Grab, you've got all these different sort of retail outlets. Um, how how do you you know when you, when you started and it's like okay we need an e-commerce platform within three months. What, what how do you how do you start there and then? how do you manage the the roadmap as you go along because and also i'm stacking my questions but I'll, I'll throw this one in as well um it sounds like there wasn't any um sort of you know there, there weren't any existing user journeys that you could you could have a look at and say oh you know the, these industry is doing it so we can take something from there so was it all greenfield was it all sort of innovation and, and, and things well so how do you start with that is really with strategy and then uh, I think uh, because you know IT is a bit uh, a lot of especially especially corporate IT um, tends to be reactive, right, rather than strategic. And and uh, sometimes that can be good, but typically you, you get a you get a bit of everything in, into your home, uh, and you have a um, you know it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really scale or benefit in the long run. It just increases the cost. So of course we're saying, hey, we want to change this business, change the business model, uh, be kind of a different, uh, uh, different retail player, a digital play, player in a sense. Um, and then it's really down to the strategy. Then the second piece, which most people forget about, is execute, right? Uh, it's, it sounds like a joke. It's not. I'm telling you that the biggest problem corporates have is to they can strategize every single day, right? There can be board meetings, powerpoints, and all of this stuff. And in the end, look at how much is being achieved by these, uh, from these strategies. Uh, I mean, some organizations, it's zero. They're writing, they're writing off billions of dollars uh, of, of, uh, of being busy, but not having delivered anything. So clearly, my, also my coaching was, no, no, we have a strategy and then we walk, right? Of course, you adjust a bit when you, when you walk left, right, bit, but you don't make U-turns uh, you know, every other day. Uh, because that does not help. So this is the one thing, right? So you really, you really have to come out with a strategy. You really have to look at this holistically. And I'd say, thank my boss um, for uh, for also kind of listening to me and and the people around him. Uh, he himself learning and also contributing of saying, no, 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 this has to be done in this way, or we will never end. Now then, I think I think there are things you can understand, right? So so I think that the way to to achieve these things is. Um, you break big problems down. So when I, when I worked in Accenture, my, the biggest project I joined was the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK. I think it was some crazy $15 billion journey at the time. Uh, Accenture had one, one cluster, and it was then the biggest ever Accenture project. So not outsourcing, really, it's a project. They were trying almost 2,000 people in a project. Wow. And, and so I was a co-manager of, uh, of this initiative. And you know, the way you approach this is by breaking down the problem in pieces and then you start checking off the pieces, right? So you have your strategy, okay, then I need an organization. Uh, then these people need to work with someone in the business and so on, right? So you, <clears throat> and then, okay, well, then I need a platform. Uh, then what is the, the, as you said, right, the user journey. 
Well, probably let's start with e-commerce because that is easily to understand and this is what we don't have, right? And then there is omnichannel integration. So how would that work and so on, right? And, and then what are the pieces we need to support this, right? What's the technology? What is the uh, also business organization? Let's say a, a contact center. Um, maybe we need, uh, we need some uh, strategy team there who can go into details, help with the journeys, user experience, customer experience teams and so on, right? So, so this is really this is really how this works. You break it down in small pieces and then you execute. And this is really, frankly speaking, day by day, it's not it's actually just hard work, not exciting though. It's exciting when you when you look back and say, whoa, how oh, we have a come long way. Right? But day by day it's 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It's like, how did we get this done? <laughs> and uh, we need it tomorrow, right? It's done. And then you, you keep shipping away every day, like, like in any other job. And then it's just, it's just that if you have the right strategy um, and you, you're lucky enough to have not only the right skills, but also the right team, uh, the right you know, attitude of the people who yeah. want to get this done, who want to stay with you until 2, 3, 4 a.m. sometimes to yeah. get shit done, then, then you execute, right? Um, and one one thing it sounds like as well is that you had sort of um, you know real real backing by the chairman, which I think you know uh, perhaps not all organisations have. Um, and so interesting, you've grown to, to two hundred and fifty people. That's a really big team in in such a short space of time. How uh, how did you go about? So finding those people obviously you know this it's well known there's a tech shortage in 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 the region um yeah. you know how did you go about finding those people bring them in and and and, and keeping them keeping them entertained i mean it sounds like it's obvious why they kept entertained but yeah yeah keep it entertained. that part was the easier one <laughs> uh, it's not that there is a shortage of, uh, of things to do here um yeah let me think i <clears throat> what did we do um we clearly talked to a few of your of your colleagues um, uh, to, to help with that, uh, but again, uh, lucky. So I was actually fairly uh, lucky. There was one. Uh, there were a, a handful, very small team from a central group acquired a rocket internet business before Salora in Thailand and in Vietnam, sure. and there was a very small team from uh, from from Salora uh, left in the company. And they, I don't think that they were, uh, I think it was really not, not a very strategic uh, work at the time. They were, they were focused on what they, what they were tasked with and that worked well, there was no issue there. And I took this team, the tech part over, um, and I was really fortunate because there were like uh, uh, extremely talented and strong people uh, in, that, uh, in that team. Albeit it was, it was very small, I was like, uh, the leadership team was like two, two or three. Um, and uh, I mean, they were kind of middle management now, I'd say, and uh, there's a couple of developers. And, and then we, we went, we sit together, and also I, I would like to say, I mean, we liked each other, we like to work with each other, right? And then uh, they help calling their friends and their buddies, hey, things, things are happening here, come on over. Sure. Um, and then it grew, and then they liked it, and their friends who came liked it, and then they called their friends again, and we had a few. Uh, friendly headhunters uh, or search firms, uh, better to say, uh, also um, um, helped us um, out of free will and uh, yeah. one of it. And, um, you know, so one came to the other. Uh, yeah, and then things, I think also my, my, my impression is in the tech space, if, if people have this, this sense that, oh, central tech, this is, this is a happening place, right? Yeah. They invest, they have tech, they're doing stuff. Yeah. Um, then, then this 
this is kind of a lot of brownie points there and people are attracted, right? I mean, you look in Thailand at the time, I, I don't know about today, but um, well, I do know, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I think at the time, there were probably only two corporates who were really uh, doing a lot in this tech space, which was True Group, uh, yeah. with Ascend, uh, True Digital was just emerging. Uh, and it was us, right? I mean, the banks didn't, uh, they didn't, uh, they, they outsourced uh, uh, quite a lot. Uh, so there wasn't really a lot of happening. Uh, SCB just kind of started in commercial bank um, to, to think about what they want to do. And so it was really, there were really only more or less two, two real happening places in town. Again, changed, changed a lot since. Um, but uh, so that also, that also kind of was, became a bit of a magnet uh, in a sense. And um, what you said, from my um, from my understanding, obviously the, the two or three things that the central tech do, does is obviously the the omnichannel side, um, the retail innovation side, and then the, the digital academy side. And I think one of the things that was really exciting when when I was hearing about what you guys are doing was that that omnichannel play. Um, I guess, do you mind if we explore that for a couple of minutes? And, and perhaps, you know, can you give us your definition of what omnichannel actually means and and, and why it's exciting and, and what you guys are doing in that in that space? Yeah. You know, in the sense is what um, you, you the, 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 kind of the path, the view is, and this is also true in, uh, in any industry, is that you um, you are a digital customer, and then you are a digital customer, right? And then you go to the to the branch or to a store, and then you are uh, you are kind of an offline customer. And that's the, the question is how do you bridge it, right? And how do you? I mean, if if I <clears throat> if I start to do a bank transfer on a mobile banking app or an investment, and then I go into the branch and I say, hey, I have a question with uh, with this thing, they should be able to see it right away. And they're saying, let me explain this, uh, I don't know, whatever investment fund to you or uh, tax saving model, whatever it is, right? Um, or let me help you with a transaction. They should have that visibility uh, fully transparent. And of course, you can apply that also in the retail world is that <clears throat> if I order something online and I want to pick it up rather than waiting uh, for it at home, um, I want to pick it up in the next store, right? I mean, if I, if I had a lunch in a shopping center, which is, uh, I mean, it's the same in Malaysia or Singapore or Thailand, if I have lunch in a shopping center and I walk to my restaurant and I start buying some groceries or reorder from my last order and saying, oh, I'm now in Central World, whoosh, let me pick it up in one hour here, right? Um, now that, that is kind of the omnichannel thing and, and then I go and I pick it up or I order it and I have, we have in Phuket, we have in some places a drive-through um, and you, you can, you can pre-order it <clears throat> on the app and then you just drive through and uh, someone will, will give you your order into your car, right? Or uh, Powerbuy, which is an electronics chain, consumer electronics, you, you know, your next iPhone or, or, or whatever, whatever it is, or Samsung phone, and then, you, you know, you can just either order it, pick it up, or reserve it, maybe if, it, if, it's, a, if it's a dress uh, or a suit, you reserve it in the store, you go there, you try it on, oh yeah, that looks good for me, okay, please, I want to buy it, oh no, that doesn't, well, doesn't look at all, right? <laughs> So, so keep it, guys. Right? Something like that, you know. I think this kind of this kind of interchange between uh, click and reserve and uh, um, uh, you know click and collect, um, try and buy, and uh, so these different models they become extremely important. Uh, returns, for example. Why can I not buy something online and then because I'm working near a store, just just give it yeah. back, right? Rather yeah, okay. than uh, rather than send it back, go to the post office. I wouldn't even know where the nearest post office yeah. is. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. 
It's always in Singapore. It's always the hunt for that little sort of cabinet with all the the the, um, the lockers in. You know, where yeah. the sort of it's like, where is it? Where have they hidden it? It's interesting. So, so yeah. I guess with... funny enough, they are not popular here. This kind yeah, of okay. they try. Few people trying it. Uh, I, I know they signed uh, uh, Singapore Post uh, numbered lockers with the mobile phone. You can open yeah. them, right? Yeah. I, I used that before. It's a great service. But I haven't seen this in. Uh, uh, I think there was, I forgot the company name, they tried it at the BTS stations, but I heard it was not very successful in the senses. And I can tell you, so during COVID period, we also, um, because we have a format, it's called chat and shop. You can yeah. chat with someone and then uh, they recommend you things to buy. Hey, I need a, I need a shirt for my, uh, for my black trousers or something. I'm going to form a dinner, what, what should I wear? And then they, they help you with this, right? Or you, and and we also expanded this during chat and shop uh, during sorry during covid to be call and shop so you can call if you say and what we found was that we started facebook live uh, shows it's a bit like your tv shopping type of thing but with some interaction component and the thing is that what we found is people really like this stuff right yeah. so this is so it's not true that uh, i mean specifically for thailand uh, and, and i can tell you for italy it's the same it's not true that people just want to go to a website, have have a commodity type of service, get their stuff, and be on their way. That that yeah. is that is not true for 100% of the customers. Customers like to engage. Yeah. They like to, people like to talk to people in a sense, right? Um, and it's it's part of our let's say DNA. Well, this is part of our DNA, of our upbringing culture, and even double so uh, in uh, uh, in countries like Thailand. So, okay. so, so th then I can see, and in effect, we are not using chatbots yet in um, in chat and shop because if if someone, I mean, if you want to if you want to buy something there and you're looking for this 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 connection piece, right, as a uh, as a social chatting with someone, then if you figure this is a chatbot, it is actually counterproductive to that relationship. Yeah. And I found that banks don't think enough about this, right? So we, we all hear about the branch uh, pressure on the branches and so on. And but I think that of course uh, I want a mobile app, a banking app which works well. And I, I'm still using Sanachala Bank's one from Singapore works extremely well. But of course I also want to have a relationship because otherwise why do I care about your bank? Mm -hmm. Then I'm comparing Stanchard and Bangkok Bank and DBS and uh, and Bank of Ayutthaya and whoever, and then I take, pick the best app. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Well, how can that be? That can be good for me as a customer, maybe, but it cannot be good for a bank alone. Yeah, and that, that's one of the one of the trends I've definitely seen and heard about is that um, e-commerce e is is evolving. It's got. We, I think we're at the end of that first phase of e-commerce where yeah. you can now buy everything in one place. But the problem is, it takes you. It could take you a couple of hours to actually find what you want to find. And so the the next you know, the next wave of e-commerce perhaps is this more curated, more personalized approach to things. And, and I think having a, having a person on the end of the line is, is, is really important to, to, to that journey. Um, how, how much with, with the, with the omnichannel approach, how much of that has manifested in, I guess, sort of physical technology problems or, you know, where you've had to look at um, integrating your point of sale systems with, with the, with your, you know, your backend payment systems on your e-commerce or, you know, deploying sort of technology into the stores. Has that been, has that been sort of a, a, a challenge you guys have had to overcome as well yeah i mean this as you imagine uh, as, as in any organization uh, there is some um, let's say so we have two it departments in in central um, one of them is uh, is what, what i'm doing obviously and then the other one is really the same only backend it uh, sure. uh, without without 
breaking this down now. And, and as everywhere, there are some newer there are some newer platforms. There are some older platforms in there, and so the integration pieces there take definitely a bit of work. Um, in some areas, this is a bit better done. Uh, in some, probably still let's say evolving, right? Um, but also bear in mind is that I mean I saw this at uh, at my local Starbucks here. Um, you know when we have. Um, um, one day there was a power outage or something. I, I don't I actually know what happened, but this, the point of sale did not work, right? And then the staff, the staff did not care at all, right? They, they, they opened the drawer, took out a book of receipts, start writing down one Americano, one muffin, uh, you, you know, here, right? And, and I got my stuff, uh, so the coffee machine uh, obviously worked. Uh, and, uh, and so I got my, I got my stuff sit down and had my coffee there, right? And then, and then you, you, just to, to illustrate for you, this is retail, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you are there not for the point of sale, you are there for the coffee, right? Obviously, and as long as the coffee machine works um, and they, they have a way to take cash money from you, it still works, right? So yeah. I, um, it's not an excuse, but it's a saying that, that um, if I buy something in a shop or in a market, for example, they have nothing there, right? Now, I know some people have mobile posts and uh, they use a mobile phone app and they have mobile phone uh, credit card card readers attached, right, and stuff. Yeah. But, but it can also be very simple. Give me money, give you things, right? <laughs> and, and so, uh, so there is obviously a reason why, why a lot of retailers have not had the latest greatest. And yeah. I can tell you that also IT vendors struggle with latest greatest because they also sweat their assets a bit, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the products you could see like three, four years ago being sold to retailers compared to today, they are vastly different. The tech is definitely has improved because even the vendors figured uh, their old platforms, uh, they, they can't sell them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, so, uh, and in, in incrementally improve that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I guess looking, talking about that sort of uh, that advance, that evolution, um, obviously you guys have got your digital academy, the, the, the Central Tech Retail Lab. Tell us a little bit about that. What's, um, what, what are the goals of that initiative and, and yeah. what? Uh, so I think this is the, the, the idea there was, is, okay, how, this is, how can I work in the business with the business colleagues and try out new stuff? Because now it's a lot of the business has an idea, we have an idea, and then we do something. But, but, and, and, and whatever, whatever makes sense, right, aligned with strategy and so on. But, you know, that does not, there's kind of the, there's kind of the, the element of I don't know what I don't know, right? And, yeah. and so we wanted to open up to say, well, if there is a startup with a cool idea, um, hey, at the supermarket or at electronic stores or the department store, if you did that, um, there is either productivity, the staff is more, more free to do other things, or uh, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a revenue-enhancing uh, tool, whatever it may be, right? And the idea was to kind of connect the dots there, saying, hey, let's, let's start up, allow them to propose something. And then we do very smart, short bursts, five, four, five, six weeks type of projects. Um, and, and then if that works and it makes sense, then we can, it is really impactful to us, uh, we go further. If not, then then both the startup and we have learned something. Um, okay, that clearly did not work well or uh, didn't work well enough uh, yeah. to materialize this in a bigger way. And also the startup, it can test its ideas, its tech, its uh, business model um, against real life uh, scenarios, right? So I think this is this is uh, where we are. And uh, again, thanks for to, to AWS. They have been very open to to support this initiative, also with their global network. 
um, proposing uh, also or involving also startups out of other countries. And you know, so for, for us, this is, uh, this is a game and we have some, we started with some smaller items there uh, in the IoT space, yeah. uh, automated checkout uh, things uh, and so on. Uh, empty uh, empty shelf detection and so there's a few things which the, the the lab team our team has done but again that was a bit more by what we thought about and yeah. we really want to open this up to uh, a more a dialogue and I think for startups it's also helpful as in you know there, there are a lot of beauty shows for startups and then they have to uh, sing and dance and uh, yeah. uh, whatever people have to do now in these shows yeah. and what we wanted to do was uh, you, you know, hey, we want to do real business, right? I don't yeah. want to do a beauty show to come into the, into television. What I want to do is I want to help to transform the business. I want to innovate yeah. the business. Right? Yeah. That's the thing we're interested in. And I, I believe startups should be excited about that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And it's only just kicked off, I guess. But are you seeing a lot of um, are you seeing a lot of interest? You know, it's yeah. it's a really it's a really good. Um, what what are some of the um, what are the, some of the exciting things you see coming up? Whether they're in the um, whether they're sort of in the lab already, or 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 whether it's sort of ideas. What are the what are the really exciting, you know, advances that we're going to see within within this within this space? Yeah, but what I'm thinking is that you know these integration points between industries. Um, and different formats are gonna are gonna increase, right? Yeah. As in, uh, you can see this uh, uh, in Europe now, and I think uh, in start it slowly starts in Asia. Um, that when you're on a retail platform, you can check out. There is already there's a payment provider. You can have a, 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 a buy now pay later type of almost semi-automatic in the purchase flow. Uh, I know Klarna even offers uh, a wealth investments on the checkout in uh, across uh, Europe. And so, so this is talking about the integration between um, between different companies. And I think if, it, if I think about this in the omnichannel spaces, is really this, um, let's take the bureaucracy out of retail, right? You don't want to queue at a cash register yeah. anymore, obviously. Yeah. You don't want to fight with a kiosk and, and, and touch screen of, of semi-automated checkout because uh, there are no more salespeople. I think, I think what you want to do is you want to kind of point and click and then you get your stuff and you decide, send it home, I pick it up now, or I'm you know. This, this type of integration um, between the store and mobile apps, I think this is going to be on significant increase. Also related to logistics industry, um, uh, talking about Grab again, uh, for example, yeah. To say, hey, maybe maybe I just give it to a Grab driver and he can bring it, or he bring it to me now. Um, yeah. some, something. So these these type of uh, integrations also um, for us probably understanding customers better, what they look at in the store, what is their uh, what are preferred things. So there are models where you can uh, where actually they, it's not that they're not detecting who you are, but it's about what customers are interested in in the store. What is a kid interested in? What are they looking yeah. at? Uh, what are grown-ups interested in and looking at and so on. Of course, that is good insight for us. We do some of that today as in uh, conversions in the store. We use videos to, to understand how many people visit the stores versus buying. Uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's not personalized. It's just for us to have a bit of a feeling, same as you would do in an online site, how many visitors you have versus tickets in a sense. Right? It's interesting. I, I was um, listening to to another podcast recently. They were talking about one of the large um, supermarkets chains in the UK had done some uh, research where they've worked out that um, home cooks are generally have lower claims on their home insurance, 
and apparently there was one item in their shopping basket which um, if if they were if they had this item in their shopping basket there was a much higher percentage there would be a home cook and therefore that led to them getting a, a lower premium on their home insurance and and that mm -hmm. one item strangely was fennel um, so <laughs> I see a bunch of people in the UK now trying to buy more fennel to look more sort of responsible but um, I, I can I can I can see a, a sort of an environment where you know this this type of data is collected and you provide this level of sort of uh, customization and uh, individualization for, um, for 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 customers and I guess um, do, do you see where where is sort of the the e-commerce sort of revolution and the social media revolution changed consumer behavior and took it online and took people to what to expect um, from a service online do you see this omnichannel um, sort of wave impacting how people then expect the online and offline worlds to be to be integrated I do think customers ex uh, expect that uh, and <clears throat> because you know if you get this from some digital services right be, be, it, and it doesn't matter it could be it could be a Google service it could be it could be, again it could be a bank it could be a telco it could be a retailer once you get used to uh, to this level of sophistication that hey I'm buying something in a store uh, I want um, um, let's say I, I want a new shirt um, and I just bought a different color and I just bought the old color there. Can you look up what the size is? Because I forgot, right? Yeah. And if I identify myself to a salesperson, then you expect that person to know, yeah. right? Um, and um, and it, it's not that I expect her to know me personally, obviously, um, but I do expect her to, to have that, that integrated view. And, yeah. and I think this is increasing. Can we do this everywhere today? No, of course not, right? Um, and also, let's, let's also assume there's, there's a bit of a privacy question there. Uh, I mean, with IBM getting out of facial recognition and, and so on, right? That does, but, but that being said is, of course, if I identify myself, I want you to know me, then uh, increasingly I also want, um, um, again, the, the service provider, wherever I'm going, uh, to have the full visibility of what I have and be able to look up, oh, you use, you use 15, uh, but it might not fit you anymore. You're waiting too much COVID, right? And then, um, uh, so maybe you take 16 or something. But, but you know, this, but, but this is this is this is I think where this should be going, and this, it, it is going there. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, look, I, I think I think we're at time there. Um, um, Axel, it's been an absolute absolute pleasure. Um, I really really appreciate your time and, and fascinating insights on the whole um, on on the, the just the whole thing. It's it's um, it's really a a very exciting area to, to to watch. So look, thank you thank you very very much for your time and and yeah, and I, I look forward to to speaking with you again again soon. So. Yeah, we should. It's kind of a must be a multi part series, right? Because we. Yeah. <laughs> we only got half through, but but I really enjoyed it and really really nice talking to you again. So I'll catch you I'll catch you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to do I'd love to do a follow up and let's let's um let's talk perhaps in a while once things you know once the, the the lab's been running a bit longer and we can talk a bit more about that. But yeah, again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Southeast Asia's Growth Leaders with me, Sam Randall. In the next episode, we welcome Satya Kalyana Sundaram to the show for a South Asia FinTech special. Satya is the Managing Director for Experian in India. And in this episode, we discuss the fascinating world of the Indian FinTech market. I look forward to seeing you there. Stay safe and farewell. <laughs>